Welcome to the Business Blast Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Wagner. This episode is brought to you by Authors Unite. Authors Unite makes the process of becoming a published best-selling author as simple as sipping your morning cup of coffee. You can learn more about Authors Unite at AuthorsUnite.com. Now, let's jump into the episode. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Business Blast podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Tyler Wagner, and today I have Tushar Singh with us. He is a serial entrepreneur and founder of Minute School, uh, which is an app that helps students in higher education achieve academic success. So welcome to the show, man. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Of course. Grateful to have you here. Uh, we'll jump into the first one, Tushar. The first one I have for you is, what is the best story from your life that has an underlying valuable message? I think that story is probably going to be the one that's most formative for me. Tyler, do you remember the 90s? Are you old enough to remember the 90s? I was born in 91, so I remember some of it. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit of it. You went through uh, the second bubble, as did most of us in uh, 08, but there was that other bubble that happened in the late 90s, the, the dot-com bubble. Do you remember any of that? Um, I do not. <laughs> okay. No, that's, that's good. I mean, we're going to have a whole range of folks listening to this. Um, but it was an interesting time because in like 93, 94, the first web browser, like the public web browsers really came out. And so now people could actually use the World Wide Web. Like that was a crazy time that you could actually build web pages for the first time. You could share information so easily. Like yeah, there were dial-up modems and things like that, but it was it was so instant. You didn't have to go to your library. You could just sit at home and access this vast amount of data. Well, I, I grew up during that time. I grew up before the internet, and I grew up with the internet in uh, in high school. And then I started university during a time called the peak dot-com bubble. You probably heard about the dot-com bubble, and mm-hmm. now it burst and stuff kind of went away. But imagine yourself when you were 18. So it's not too long ago for you, but imagine yourself when you're 18, you're heading into the world where you're going to like one of the top schools. You've got this career path laid out in front of you that's got massive salaries. Your peers who are in fourth year and graduating are getting BMWs as signing bonuses. Like that's how ridiculous it was. And you also have this fantastic opportunity to work in innovation. Right? Not many people get that opportunity where you're going to be working on cutting edge stuff that literally you grew up with that no one really knows how it's going to work. And then as soon as you start school, that bubble bursts, like literally piece by piece, your future disappears. And that path that was so certain, there's nothing like there's nothing. And and hopefully a lot of people understand that or went through that because between 1999 and 2004, half of dot-com companies just went away. Like think about that as any industry right now where just half of all websites went away, what that would be like. Um, and so as a young student, when you're starting out, you're 18, you're barely an adult. I don't know if I'm an adult even now, all this time later, (laughs) um, but it becomes very formative and you have to start to make decisions because your entire field is essentially failing. Um, now the reason why the failed is a number of different reasons and, um, you know, burn rate being the number one probably and not having good business plans. But if you're, you're in your early to late teens uh, or your late teens or your early 20s, what are you going to do? Like, Tyler, what would you do? Whew, I don't know, man. <laughs> I <laughs> That is a, 
in that situation, well, I can tell you this, being as like entrepreneurial as I am, and I, I, I don't know, so I'm going to try to answer this the best way I can. I don't, I wouldn't necessarily be in the position of like, darn, like I lost, I lost that opportunity of a job. I've just never, I've never wanted to like work for somebody, but I, I think I would, I think I would just truck through, man. I would just be like, I'm starting, starting a podcast. <laughs> that's what I'd say. And I would just yeah, go for something. That's exactly it. Right. Like that's the, that's the mentality. And that's the decision-making that essentially you gotta, you gotta pick is you had this certainty, this solid future, and then it's gone. And you have goals and aspirations, but now they're exponentially harder to achieve, even that baseline that you were trying to achieve. So that was a tough time. And, and it was made tougher because, you know, and what I took from those early days was that you have to have some level of control over your destiny, right? Like if you're going to just say, here's a path laid out and everyone's going down this path, I'm going to go down that path, which we see in a lot of professions today, you're not really in control of your destiny. So even if you work for someone else, if you're not a big cog in the machine that they built, you don't have control of your destiny. So that was a lesson I essentially took from that. And almost immediately, I started joining some early stage startups, didn't really do school as much anymore, (laughs) Um, but then also went and started my own company because I was learning lessons from those people who during that brief time were starting companies, but they were learning from the lessons of others. And that's what I really learned and got an education in entrepreneurship is what are they doing? How can I do it better? And some of those first companies I founded during that, that span of three, four, five years, they're still around. They're still operational. They're doing different things. Um, but what I learned was rather than take the safe path to focusing on school and then getting whatever job, let's set some more ambitious goalposts and work towards those and really be in control of your destiny to a greater degree. Yeah, I um, it's it's weird because I've always actually thought that like working for someone else is scarier than doing your own thing, but it's like it's actually like most people think the opposite of that. I don't know why. I've just always I've been scared to like be like, yes, I'll work for this big company, and then like randomly five years later they'll be like, yo, we're uh, you know, we're cutting down on employees, <laughs> and it's like that. I'm like that always freaked me out. So that's why one of the reasons why I started my own thing. So, um, but yeah, man, thank you for sharing that. The next one I have for you is what is the most valuable piece of information we should know that's within your expertise or industry? That's, that's, um, got a little bit of input on that. I'll be, I'll be a little bit quicker on this one. Uh, so I work in an interesting area. I've had a wide array of experience, but we're in the education industry minute school is a rare, kind of a rare product in the industry where we don't sell to institutions. We go direct to customer. Um, And a lot of that also is pairing the experience I have and our team has in machine learning as well as more baseline AI techniques and data analysis on how do we actually improve student outcomes directly working with student data. The reason we have to do that is because the non-student side of the industry, as in the institutions, both public and private, training companies, HR departments, they're very averse to change. They're extremely averse to change. You might have a fantastic idea that does fantastically well, but you're still talking about three to five years before any single one will adopt it where you're going to get revenue out of it. That is massively slow considering how much the industry is changing. 
Um, so you you can look at the adaptability of various industries kind of like as tectonic plates moving around. You're going to have industries where you have a whole bunch of small, tiny earthquakes. They're like magnitude three, four, always happening. But they expect they're building to that. And then you have other places where you have massive plates that you can they just collide, but they don't move. And the stress builds and builds and builds. And then you're going to have this massive snapping and a major earthquake. And we know there's a lot of places like that around the world. And there's a lot of industries. The education industry is going to go through a cataclysmic change in the coming years and decades. And that's going to be driven by AI and machine learning, but not because of those products in the market, but because of what those technologies and implementations of those technologies are doing to the rest of the world. And then conditions are going to be such that, and this is what people are terrified about in the industry as well, is that there's no way to produce students quickly given the current systems and technologies. So we have the industry that's very averse, and you have to know that it's averse, and you also have to know that almost everyone who's a policymaker, administration, educator within the education industry is terrified of what's going to happen in the next 15, 20 years. Um, and that's that's kind of why we're here in this space and why I love this space is because the opportunity is massive for that. Um, and we just need to figure out how we're going to keep students adapting and changing and allow people to educate themselves. So anyways, that's, that's a little bit of the input and advice or knowledge from that industry. Yeah, man. I think it's really interesting. And I, I you know, you know, obviously better than, than I do, but I, I have always kind of thought I'm like, you know, especially with just content being available online to students and like uh, things like that, like college is going to become besides like, you know, the football games kind of irrelevant. I kind of think <laughs> so. I don't know. That's kind of how I've kind of seen it. Yeah, no, and you're, you're right on the mark there. And I, I will say this. One of the I have a friend, Sandra Rayner, who I worked with at a previous company where a youth startup. Uh, so a little bit of shout out there. But she she always made this impression on me with we have to work better as teams because what you have in your head from a knowledge perspective, it's available everywhere. The knowledge you have is no longer valuable. It's how you can put that together with others that's actually valuable. And so that's that's kind of what we have to train the students of the future for. And we don't have a good way to do this, especially when we assess students individually right now. Mm. And um my, my next one for you, man, is what is your best piece of overall business advice? You know, you've done multiple companies. So, you know, maybe if somebody's just starting out as an entrepreneur, like what would you tell them? And a little bit of experience here, always trying to make the next one work. I'm, mint school is number 10 of my startups, if you can believe that. Nice. Um, <laughs> um, but I started fairly early. But I'd say, you know, very simply, constantly evaluate, evaluate your strategy through the use of data, market research, input from customers, and advice from trusted advisors. Don't just take advice from everywhere and anything like that, but then you have to combine that with your experience to decide when to and to what degree you need to pivot. And that's basically going to allow you to pivot earlier or later, but you don't want to pivot too late or too often, but just right. And I think that's my best piece of overall business advice is just know when to pivot and make sure those are smart pivots. And if you could give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that be? Uh, this is a funny one because um, I didn't finish university because I was just too busy working on startups and products. 
Um, but I think part of that was I was trying to rush my way through it, try and get that degree right to the end. Um, and this is this is tough for people to afford, but take your time in, in university or higher education. Uh, take an extra year to spread out the course load and then diversify what you're studying because you're not there to have just a degree as an outcome. You're there to figure out how to be a critical thinker and how to piece together the rapidly changing world. Um, and I did have a STEM background, right? Like I did CS, math, biology, chemistry, and physics. Uh, those latter three is was working towards as minors. Um, but I also did a little bit of economics and psychology, and I wish I'd done a lot more of just the arts and humanities. And that's what I've learned in business and what I got from those courses and the thinking from my peers and professors is what's really helped me going forward, not necessarily the STEM side. And especially with how the world's changing with AI and ML, the STEM side's all going to get automated to a huge degree. Like it's, that's not the side that I, I'm going to need in the future or, or any of our kids or the students going through. You're going to need to know how to piece together all those pieces. And that's what I would tell myself. Yeah, I think that's – I really appreciate you saying that too because I think like college in a sense, like they make it seem – and it's probably because you're like conditioned this way with going through school just growing up. Like the goal is to get an A. The goal is to get a diploma. And like if that is the goal, then your actions are will be different than if the goal is to develop a critically – you know, critical thinking mind uh, and among other things, right? So – uh, the goal is definitely not to get necessarily an A or even the diploma. The goal is to like figure out what you enjoy doing and what your career is going to be. Um, so, so yeah, I appreciate you saying that there. Um, the next one, kind of going down a different path, but in your opinion, what is the key to happiness? Yeah, that's a good one. I'm still trying to figure that out to a great degree because as life changes, if you don't move your goalposts on happiness, then you're going to be pretty unhappy because you're just trying to still fit into an old lifestyle where you were in the past. Um, but what's really helped me, especially as an entrepreneur, is to develop a baseline. Um, the early career, that was not really possible to a great degree because you didn't necessarily have resources. You were always fighting as an entrepreneur just maybe to survive. And while there is some element of drive to that, you, you don't make decisions based on what's best for the company. You might start making some decisions based on what's great for you and just you uh, because there's that added stress. Um, so what I learned over time is to rely upon others as well. So, you know, move back home. If you're an entrepreneur and if cash is tight, can you save money by going back home? Like, is there any advantage not to do that? So that's part of building that baseline. Because once you end up having some successes, you're going to develop a baseline. And if you're going to keep taking risks as an entrepreneur, you're going to be very unhappy if you're constantly tight for cash. Uh, and not your company being tight for cash, but you personally being tight for cash. So I've been fortunate to, I, mean, I moved out very late from home, but I was then fairly fortunate to have an affordable lifestyle and have managed that quite well. So I'm, I'm pretty happy. When I'm not stressed about, you know, where I'm going to be, will I have a place to live and things like that in a few years if stuff doesn't work out. And that's really allowed me to focus on things that I like and challenges that I like. And that has been key because I can go and seek what makes me happy rather than worry about my survival. And um, what is the best book that you've read and what was the number one thing you learned from that? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna might have to pass on this one because the last <laughs> book I've read is always the most influential. Okay, that's um, fine. But so I'm so I'm gonna ask for a bit of input. What have you read lately, and what would you recommend? Um, okay, let me uh, look into my Audible. So what I do is I listen to like multiple books at a time. So right now I am listening to Psycho Cybernetics. I think that's uh, good. I'm listening to Maps of Meaning by Jordan Peterson. Um, that one is, uh, I'm not fully grasping it, but I'm trying my best. That one's pretty deep, if you will. Um, the E-Myth Revisited, Michael E. Gerber, and then uh, Psychology of the Unconscious by Carl Jung. I'd say those are those four I'm listening to. And what I'd recommend, and I feel like you kind of, uh, from your experience, know all this, but a business book that recently just changed my whole mindset on how to structure a business was this book called Built to Sell. Um, not sure. If, have you heard of it? Yeah. yeah, that one's that one's really good. And then there's also the Lean Startup in case you haven't yes. actually gone into that one as well. Those are like, I think, the two that if you're really wanting to start out or you're trying to structure how you're thinking and make decisions, because that's ultimately your role is as a decision maker. Yeah, they're, they're going to help. Yeah, no, that Lean Startup was one of the first ones, actually, like my the most influential book for me that actually I actually stepped out of a uh, university as well um was uh the four hour work week that book like changed my mindset into realizing i could do whatever i wanted on my own um so that was i'd say that's the most influential but most people uh i believe have read that but if you haven't and you're listening check it out it's still very relevant um so yeah the next one i have for you uh is what is your favorite quote and why all right this quote is uh, attributed to the great Alan Alda. It's listening is being able to be changed by the other person. So it's not just uh, the lessons from that are, you know, you just just don't go in and listen just for the sake of listening, but you have to actually take that and be changed. And an entrepreneur faces a task of charting a course through a patchwork of charted and uncharted waters, like if you will, right? And so there's so much uncertainty in that task you, you have to develop t- strategies and tactics that guide your organizations. And if you're trying to do that with just your prior knowledge, you're going to fail. Like you're pretty much going to fail or someone else is going to do it better. So you almost got to step out of that mental map you've created and go get more information to fill in those dark spots in the map, right? Or the spots that are blurry. And to do that, you got to go and speak with customers and advisors you got to hear from them what their needs are, ask them questions, talk to them, right? Don't just make it a one-way street. Um, and then you got to take that and recognize that they have their own map. So you don't just take it at face value. You got to combine it. And then you got to bring that back, leave your comfort zone and change your map based on what you've heard. So that's, that's kind of the quote that I go with or one that really resonated with me. Yeah, that is awesome, man. I haven't heard that one. Um, dude, thank you so much for coming on. Very insightful uh, episode. The last one I have for you before we let you go is where's the best place for people to find you online? <laughs> yeah, so I'm actually a fairly private person, but from time to time, and I say private, but probably daily I'm posting on Twitter, <laughs> at Tushar Singh. Uh, so that's at Tushar Singh or on Instagram at Tushar Quacks. Uh, so you can search that out. Just feel free to reach out anytime. I'm, I'm a fairly friendly person. I just don't like to spout my opinion online all the time because uh, of all the different things I'm dealing with and all the different people I, I like to speak with. Got it, man. Thanks again for hopping on. Oh, no worries. Thank you very much. This has been great.